Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. As a school that cares about the environment, why'd you stop typing? You're talking about the environment an awful lot, don't you think? It's my platform. I'm supposed to be the chaperone, but nobody was able to concentrate on anything because my son wanted to be the center of attention. I didn't want to be the center of attention. A substitute. <laughs> Coming in at the end of May. Arr, I don't envy your job, let me tell you. I have a Miss Cruz homeroom. Is, is that a good class? There are a room full of monsters aching for summer. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Struggle is Real. I'm Veronica Avila, along with my partners in podcasting, Omar Ramos and Dr. Alicia Laos. How are you guys? I'm well. Life is treating me well. How about you, Dr. Alicia? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to today's topic. Now, listen up, parents of tweens, mm. of middle schoolers, Omar. Mm. Mm. <laughs> this one's for you. We've called it middle school. They are growing up so fast. Yes, they do grow up fast. Transitions are part of life, but... We all know the struggle can be really, really big when kids hit the tween years. Joining us to talk about this subject, Dr. Yanina Gomez, a mindset, emotional wellness, and parenting coach, author, speaker, and blogger. She has a doctorate degree in educational psychology and began her career as a school psychologist, hmm. is happily married, congratulations, and has two <laughs> teen kids. Welcome, Dr. Yanina. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And we're happy to have you today. Thanks. Now, here is the icebreaker. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> For you here today, what was the toughest part of being a middle schooler? Dr. Janina. You know what? <laughs> this is not, parents are not going to want to hear what I have to say because to me, middle school was the best time in my life uh-huh. because I did so many pranks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're the prankster. And, yeah, I come from a huge family. There's eight of us. And somehow, while I was in middle school, I was just very active. Mm-hmm. And then when I went into high school, I figured, you know what, things have to settle down. So, you know, I just loved the middle school time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It was just a lot of fun. Cool. Pero. You know what? Middle school for me, I will talk about the highlight of middle school. Our family decided to travel back to Mexico. And I was placed in a, in a small town, private school in a small town, and I loved it. I loved it. Here it or in Mexico? In Mexico. Oh, in Mexico. In Mexico. Okay. Why did I love it now that I look back? I think I loved the, the freedom I had in the small town. So I wasn't so kept inside, I guess. I don't know. Prote- I was overly protected. Overly protected, yeah. yes. Yeah. So out there, I was able to, I felt more like me. I was able to, to talk to people and not feel embarrassed, I guess. Okay. Here, I had the language barrier. Got it. I think that's why I, I yeah. So when I was in Mexico, I was like a fish in the sea. Nice. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Well, on my side, you know what? It was uh, kind of a terrible situation for me because for many reasons, when you go to school as a young child between uh, first grade and fifth grade, you get used to like having one teacher the whole you know, the whole year. Mm-hmm. So when you get to middle school, here comes sixth grade, yeah. and now you have to go to different classrooms. And I was like, oh my God, this is the end of my life. <laughs> How can I just have one teacher to teach me everything? So, uh, uh-huh. you know, growing up in an environment where, you know, my parents were farm workers and there was a lot of discrimination towards us. So my 
self-confidence was very, very low. Mm-hmm. So I would have, I would develop this relationship with my teachers, especially if there was just one, Mr. Arpinian, God rest her soul. I just felt comfortable with her. So she kind of represented that sense of confidence for me. But then now you're going to different people that you don't even know what the heck's going on. So that was one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other point is I was changing physically. Yes. I was changing physically. You know, I felt different about girls. And then I felt uh, I started breaking out with acne and what have you. So there were so many things I was juggling at such a young age. So middle school was terrifying, honestly. And that's usually the case in middle school. So, you yeah. know, you went through what most kids mm-hmm. go through. We just had different situations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was freaking out about acne. You were pranking people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, yeah, or I guess you just you just focused on one area because I know I, I did feel different about the boys as well, but I was very shy. I never yeah. like I would never say anything. Uh, mm. Yeah, no. How about you, doctor? You know, I remember middle school is just being bored. Yeah. I, um, what? I do. I remember <laughs> that I was in a very big middle school in Florida. And so it was like a lot of cities and they all fielded into this middle school. I don't okay. know. It was like 2,000 mm-hmm. kids, you know. And because I had come, I had to build myself up. You know, I came as a little elementary school kid from the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing really well economically there. But because of the English, mm-hmm. I got put in all these like remedial classes. And so it was just very boring. Yes. And so I had to walk myself up towards it. So I was in classes where I, I remember distinctly where, you know, you'd spend the day throwing papers at the teacher. I mean, oh, it was like goodness. terrible. You know, it was a pretty bad school. I just mm-hmm. remember being really bored for three years. <laughs> and then finally oh, no. when that time was off and I was up to high school, I was really excited when we high school came along because mm-hmm. then I got moved up to honors classes. Yeah. And like that. yeah. There was a challenge More for challenge. You. <laughs> but, there you go. But I remember three years of boredom. Wow. Just sitting there trying to figure out what to do with my time while I just sat there for eight hours, you know. Oh, man. Well, hopefully our kids don't have to go through that when they're well, in, in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that will be nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, right before we kick off with our first sketch, we want to share some stats that our beloved Veronica found for us. Thank you, Vero. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Ten surprises for parents of tweens mm-hmm. and why. Source, your teen for parents. Now, check this out. Bedrooms turned hideouts. Yeah. Tweens and teens naturally start to pull away from their parents. They often become very private when they're at their own home. Mm-hmm. Now, this one's, I thought it was, this one was funny nowadays, right? Surgically attached phones. So now your tween wants nothing more than to connect <laughs> with friends. Uh-huh. As a parent, I had a tween. She's now in high school. But yeah. I, I kept saying, why do you have to connect via phone? Your friend lives like... Around the corner. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Go yeah. connect with her. Go to her backyard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah. Now, uh, emotions on steroids. Wow, this is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what you were talking uh, about. Steroids, what? Okay, yeah, here we go. So, hormones usually and wrongly get blamed. We know now that a teenager's brains react to emotional input more intensely than the brains of a child or an adult. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, frenemies. Tweens belong to complex social webs that include classmates who run hot and cold. And I, I, I would love to expand on this one because I know that happens a lot in middle school. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Academic disappointment. Schoolwork gets harder. Teachers give more pointed feedback and students become increasingly aware of their peers' talents. Mm. And then, of course, the crushes that you were talking about. Middle school, <laughs> middle school gossip centers on who likes whom and even tweens who aren't interested in romance can get caught up in this world for fear of being left out. Yes. That's key, right? Yes. So that's, that's just a little bit of the different issues that we're going to be talking about. That's but, just part of the struggle that is real now for parents that have kids that are tweens. Let's go listen to our first sketch. It's called A Sure Think. 
This election is a chance, an opportunity. Opportunity. Thank you. An opportunity to redefine our school. Nice. As a school that cares about the environment, why do you stop typing? You're talking about the environment an awful lot, don't you think? It's my platform. All the money raised during the year gets donated to a charity for ocean cleanup. It couldn't hurt to include a few other promises to make you easier to vote for. Like what? I don't know. Better school lunches? <laughs> Class president has no control over the cafeteria menu. And besides, I don't want to make empty promises. I want to make one big promise that my classmates care about. And what's more important than the environment, huh? Hmm. What if you combined school lunch with the environment? How? What if you got a local restaurant to donate lunch one day a semester? The students could pay $5 for a plate. All the profit can be donated to removing plastic from the ocean. All right. Let's add something about lunch. What do you think of... Peanut butter jelly time! Peanut butter jelly time! Nope. I told you, no rhymes, no catchphrases. It's tacky. But it works! It's funny. It's got your name in it. Peanut butter jelly time! It'll cost me the peanut allergy vote. No deal. Well, you need something. What about... Shell drops bombshells, cause shells the bomb. I don't think weapons in school is a message I should endorse. When that school bell rings, you'll see what shell brings. Huh? Huh? Pass. Vote for Shelly. She's no Machiavelli. What's Machiavelli? And no, no one calls me Shelly. Can we please just finish my speech? Yes, of course. I, I just think a little catchphrase would be a good way to wrap it up. I want to use the slogan for my poster. You've been designing that thing all night. Can I see it yet? Yes, just don't be too critical. I wouldn't dream of it. What do you think? Vote for Shell because we care about current affairs. <laughs> It's good. I like the photo you used. Do you get the joke? Which one? There's only one. Current affairs. I want to clean up the oceans. Oceans have currents? Oh. Oh, that's good. I like it. See, that's funny. I had to explain it. Does it work? It's a sure thing. Get it? A sure thing? Maybe you could add that. At the bottom? I'll think about it. All right. Well, that was that was That was, that was cute. Was that was cute. funny. That was cute, yeah. yes. <laughs> There's so many things going on in there. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, we heard Shelly. She's 12 years old. She's running for class president. And then we had her mom, who happens to own her own marketing company. That's why she kept insisting on the catchphrases. So she's helping her write her speech. But mom insists that Shelly has a catchphrase, and her daughter is against it. But at the end, they come to an agreement. They'll use the current affairs or a short thing. I don't know. But, doctor, when is it time to step back and allow them to make their own choices, especially when they're so passionate about a cause like Shelly was, Dr. Alicia? Yeah, I think let's step back a little bit and wonder why the mom felt so inclined to 
you know, have so much influence uh-huh. over this. So a lot of times as parents, I think we take our work home. And yeah, we want to be able to provide some good counsel, especially if it's an area of expertise like her in mm-hmm. here. But her daughter's not a client, right? Her daughter's her daughter. And so yeah. sometimes we as parents probably need to remember that it's our kids and they're not they're not an extension of our, our work life into mm-hmm. them. I think it's great to coach our kids, having said that. And coaching or mentoring, you know, in this and aspects like this is building them up. What she was doing is more giving them her answers and not necessarily giving her tools. Mm-hmm. So in here, she was just saying, you know, giving her solutions or ideas instead of decoding what she does for marketing and giving her the tools in order to be able to apply that for, in this case, the slogan or the marketing mm-hmm. thing. So if she would have sat, sat, sat down and say to her daughter, you know, these are the things that when I come up with a campaign that I think about. Step one, mm-hmm. you know, I think of something that is emotive. Step two, I think of something that rhymes. So catching, I don't know. I'm not a marketer. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, give her give her the tools, but not do the work. And then let her take wings. Then she would have activated that a sense of autonomy. We've talked about what motivates mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. She's already have a very motivated kid. So you don't want to squash that spirit mm-hmm. by, you know, pouring in all your advice and ideas, it's like, okay, it's not about you. You're not going to be the one that's <laughs> doing the class president. It's about your daughter. So she had to put herself on the side and instead let her daughter flourish. So as parents, that's what we can do. We can coach, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to give them everything. We want to give them the tools and we want to give them what they need in order to flourish in that which they pursue. Most definitely. Yeah, and I'd like to uh, piggyback on that. Dr. Yanina, many parents fall into the pattern of helping their kids do their projects and eventually end up doing the kids homework mm-hmm. I'm guilty of this mm-hmm. ah! I've done it not all the time though not all the time but sometimes you do it without even realizing that you're doing it you just mm-hmm. want to help out your your kid right? right now obviously there's consequences to this why is it not a good idea Dr. Yanina well there are many reasons why that's not a good idea especially when you are having a child that is going transitioning from elementary school into middle school and then high school you want to teach responsibility and you mm-hmm. want to teach independency and oftentimes people think that those two are the same but in reality they are not the one leads to the other and if you want to create responsible children that eventually they will be able to do things independently we need to back off a little bit and I think when after working with parents there's a couple of reasons why parents do that the first one is oftentimes they're super tired and they really want to get done with it exactly yeah. so they want it so they can go rest mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and other times is that they're afraid for their children to experience a failure yeah right yeah, yeah. and uh, they don't want their kids to go to school without a, a perfectly well done project a perfectly well done assignment mm-hmm. and we don't realize that when we do that we don't even allow for our children to explore the areas in which they're struggling with mm-hmm. and when we help them do homework in this in your case in your situation how will they know that they're not learning how will the teacher be able to know if this child is making progress or not because they're bringing up all these perfectly well done homework. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we fear for our children to experience failure, but then we don't realize that it is when they experience failure Mm -hmm. that they grow. 
And it's oftentimes they have to hit the wall for them to experience those growing pains as we know them in order for them to become more independent now. And then what happens is that oftentimes our kids get used to mom and dad doing the homework. You know, it's funny when I hear my my children, I have a 13-year-old, she's in middle school, and then I have a teenager. And when they were younger, they will say, oh, yeah, so-and-so, the parents are always doing their homework. That's why they have good grades. You know, so, you know, it's all, you know, we have to be very Uh cautious about things like that because we mean good, yeah. but the consequences that they will face oftentimes is not their fault because we take over yeah. are not the greatest. So, you know, that's why it's so important that sometimes we back off and we coach them. I, f- I agree with you. Uh, we coach them and let them make the decisions. In the skit, yes. mom was making the decision for her mm-hmm. daughter. She was not even asking her, so what do you think? Can you mm-hmm. come up with something? Mm-hmm. She was just, how about this? How about that? How about this? She did not leave space for her daughter Mm-hmm. to create, mm-hmm. to think, to problem solve. And we do it with good intentions, mm-hmm. but we are kind of depriving our children from growing and becoming responsible. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then when entering middle school, I guess their minds are exploring new areas, right? So they have a, mm-hmm. new, a, a yeah. new way of thinking. Instead of fighting it, would it be better to respect their ideas and support them, even if we think their ideas are kind of crazy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is not life or death in here. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and this is a school project. Yeah. yeah, what's the worst thing? That can, there's not a value. That right. I mean, uh-huh. you know, what is the thing that what's holding us back? If the reason you don't want to let go is because it's something important that's to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to look good, or you're mm-hmm. kind of living your life through yes. your children. You said yes. something. Key. Then, yes. yeah, that's not that's not a good thing. You if just it's about your children. Then yeah, let them fl- flourish. Let them run. Yes, I have seen in some of these science fairs. They look so pretty and so perfect. And then you have the parents. Well, we had a volcano that lit mm-hmm. up. Well, we had this. And we it's, it's more about the parents than the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yes, let them be. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. After listening to that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our next sketch. How dare you? Wow, Mom, that was really cool. How dare you be so disrespectful? You're a real class clown, aren't you? Not really. I mean, I'm not really that funny. Well, you certainly had all the kids laughing the whole time. You were distracting them and throwing away the opportunities to learn by making jokes. Did I tell too many jokes? You turned the whole thing into a joke. I'm supposed to be the chaperone, but nobody was able to concentrate on anything because my son wanted to be the center of attention. I didn't want to be the center of attention. If you weren't, then I was. Everyone was looking at me like I can't control my son. (sighs) I didn't mean to make you feel bad, Mom. I guess I got carried away. The kids kept laughing at my jokes. That was new for me. Did you feel cool? I guess so. And you're not like this at school? No, definitely not. I'm pretty quiet at school. How quiet? I mean, I'm definitely not like I was tonight. What was different about tonight? I don't know. Was it the group of kids? Yeah, I think so. Because they think you're funny? I felt funnier. You've been making friends since you started middle school, right? Yeah, totally. Jeremy and John, right? Those are your new buddies? Do they laugh at your jokes? Not really. John's the funny one. Huh. Well, 
you know, we're all different things to different people. What do you mean? My friends think I'm funny, but my co-workers think that I'm kind of intimidating. Why intimidating? Well, I need to get stuff done. Kind of like how you have to get stuff done for this after-school program. I will. I really like working with these people. It's going to be great. You're right. You're right. You know, I don't get a lot of chances to see you with your friends. You should have fun, but also show respect for the work. I don't like the way those other parents were looking at me. Like what? Just judgy, like I was a bad mom. I think you're a great mom. You know, Mom, we're all different things to different people. (laughs) (laughs) So that was Lydia and her 13-year-old Sam, who seemed to have a great time at school event. Lydia was obviously upset in the beginning because she thought her son behaved a little out of hand, a little clowny. But in reality, he felt good being funny. He felt like it fit. He was fitting into the crowd. Kids want to belong, obviously, especially when they're at a new school with new set of peers. Now, Dr. Yanina, can you just expand a little bit more on this? Yes, it's very, very important for them to fit in. Socialization is extremely important Mm -hmm. for children, especially when they go from elementary school into middle school. And one of the reasons what I have seen that that is true is keep in mind that when they're in elementary school, uh, like you said, that they have only one teacher Mm -hmm. and they're used to being protected. They have that bubble, that protective bubble. Now they're into middle school. Now they are expected from one year to another, actually from one through the summer to be able to be independent in the middle school and do their own thing and go from one classroom to another, go know where the lockers are, know where the cafeteria is, the library. It is a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they rely on peers to help them guide you know, tell them where things are. And that's one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is that they long for relationships. Mm-hmm. They like to have friends that they can call BFFs. Yes. You know, they're looking for, even though they're young, that's when they start realizing that friends are not playmates anymore. They go beyond that. They keep in mind that what, like we were saying at the beginning, they're going through all these hormones, all these changes. And internally, they long for relationships. Yeah. But they don't know how to make Make these type of relationships. So everything is foreign. And that's why when they are in a situation in which they are socially exposed to other children, to other kids, they want to give first impressions. So they're looking for kids to add into their inner circle, even mm. though they do it unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And in the in this situation, I think Maybe he felt very comfortable that mom was there. So that was that gave him that confidence for mm. him to be who he really wants to be. And that's why perhaps why he was acting out a little bit when he usually is not. And it's just that, keep in mind that they're going through all these different struggles. They don't want to be rejected. Yeah. Especially nowadays, rejection is very difficult for children. Now we have social media that things spread like this. Yes. And they know all these things. So they want to be in good terms with friends. They want to create and develop that inner circle, even when they do it unconsciously. And it's important to them to walk into a building and know that there are kids in there that are their friends. And that gives them security and confidence. Mm-hmm. My next question is, it's actually about that, about security and, and confidence. Now, to, to thank you for that, Dr. Yanina. To Dr. Alicia, Lydia mentioned that she felt Sam was different 
different with this crowd, right? So before he was very quiet, and now he felt at ease. He was comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we help them then have that positive transition? So they're going to. I remember with with my daughter, I I said when she was freaking out <laughs> before going into middle school, I said, well now you're going to be you're going to a, a big girl school, right? Mm-hmm. So that kind of gave her that confidence of okay, I can go here and I'm going to explore all these halls that are, I have no idea. I'm going to get lost in this new school with all these new kids that were feeding mm-hmm. uh, from other smaller schools, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we give them that security, that confidence, so that they can go in there and kind of conquer their mm-hmm. their new world? Yeah, so I think the fear is what right pr- mm-hmm. promotes that sense of insecurity of the unknown. It's something new. It's something scary. Well, we've all experienced yes. it. So one approach is to ignore it and hope it goes away and then cringe and then get there. Oh, and my we, goodness. And, right, and we know that that just usually activates or augments the stress mm, yeah. and builds it up. So the first thing is sensing, helping our kids sense what's going on inside of them. What are they feeling internally? Is their heart rate going faster? Are their breathing mm-hmm. going, you know, are they getting sweaty hands? And, and let them sense it and name it because their emotions are felt in our body so Mm -hmm. we need to kind of name it and then we want to help them identify it so when you're feeling the you know the butterflies if you will in your stomach and you're feeling that what are some of the thoughts you have what are some of the feelings and okay so I'm kind of scared I'm feeling upset overwhelmed have them just identify those Mm -hmm. so being able to identify it's just a very powerful experience when you're able to take this mesh of feelings or just kind of splatter the soup if you Mm -hmm. will of mixed emotions and you're able to sift through them and give it a name Mm-hmm. There's something just powerful in that process. Then when they're able to do that, then you're able to identify it. And then you're able to say, okay, so you're feeling upset, overwhelmed. And then you can work with them and you can say, okay, this is an overwhelming experience. Mm-hmm. Now, then you can go back and say, hey, remember last time that we had a very overwhelming experience when you were the school play playing Abraham Lincoln? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you were really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And that's a normal experience when we have overwhelming, you know, but on the other side of it, you had a great time, things went well. So you're able to activate a past experience to be able to, right? You can do some of that. So help them sense it, help them name it, and help them identify it, whatever the circumstances may be, and then you're able to kind of coach them through that experience. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Now, I'm going to twist it up a little bit here. And Dr. Yanina, hypothetically speaking, what do you believe would have happened if Sam would have experienced rejection? What does that do to a child's self-esteem, especially that of a 13-year-old? Even more so, how can we help them cope with it? Yeah, uh, low self-esteem is very destructive. Very. And what <laughs> happens is that it's destroying their soul from the inside out. Oftentimes, if we don't address it quickly, if mm-hmm. we ignore, it's like a, like a virus. It spreads very quickly, mm-hmm. and it really can hinder this child ability to expose who she or he really is. And that's why we really have to address it. And I love the strategies that you were sharing, Dr. Ahos, because they're right on in, in, in the sense that we need to help them identify and name those emotions so they're able to address them. And once they're able to identify and address those emotions, then we we would like to help our children to come up with strategies to address those emotions. And one of the ones that helped my daughter, her middle school starts in fifth grade. So she mm-hmm. went from fourth grade to fifth grade and she was in middle school right there. And I taught her breathing 
techniques. Hmm. And that seemed to help her. But I, I did exactly what you were suggesting to the audience. In identify, label them. And so you can even have conversations with those emotions. And you teach your child to calm herself or himself down through breathing techniques, through talking through those emotions. Each child is different. But mm-hmm. when we don't address these issues, when we let it go and the self-esteem continues to go down the drain and being more and more affected, we will have a child that eventually will shut down. And mm-hmm. that is not very good. That's very unhealthy. And we don't. We want our children to be excited, to mm-hmm. be responsible, to be independent, to be able to express their feelings, their emotions, to be able to grow personally and academically. But self-esteem is so important. It's almost like the engine mm-hmm. of motivation of and courage and independency. You, you need to be very careful with almost like protecting that part of your child. Mm-hmm. I never encourage parents to constantly praise their children mm-hmm. because that might lead to entitlement, but I do encourage parents to remind their children what they're good at and when they do something wonderful, just remind them of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not about praising them, it's about reminding them and helping them or teaching them to acknowledge what they're good at, mm-hmm. also acknowledge what they're not good and what are we going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And once they learn to deal with their weaknesses and they start seeing progress, believe me, that confidence is just going to go up and they're going to be more confident. They're going to be, and confidence leads to success and also leads to being okay with making mistakes. Mm -hmm. When you help your child have that healthy self-esteem, at that healthy self-esteem level, we don't want to be overly, have a high, extremely... All about me, kind of. All about me, myself, and I either. (laughs) That's not healthy either. But once they experience that confidence... They're okay with making mistakes. You will be surprised. Sometimes we don't give credit to our kids. We think that it's going to be the end of the world. But no, no, we need to give them some credit and teach them to acknowledge their what they're good at, what they're not good at, and let's create an action plan to yes. help you improve what you're not good at. Good. Love it. Very insightful. Thank you, Thank you for that. Now let's look, go into our next sketch. It's called Substitutilage. Just a morning reminder, the fifth grade homeroom teacher is out sick. Your substitute teacher will be Mr. Isaac. It's his first day here. Please give him a warm welcome. Also, pizza day has been canceled. Instead, lunch today will be Salisbury steak. What? No pizza? Quiet down, you little sea urchins. This is a place of learning. Five minutes till me first period still. Let me drink me coffee in peace. That was uh, a very impressive trick. Blimey! Where did you come from? Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to startle you. I've been sitting here since 8 a.m. I'm Mr. Isaac. It's my first day. A substitute. <laughs> Coming in at the end of May. Arr, I don't envy your job, let me tell you. I have a Miss Cruz homeroom. Is is that a good class? They're a room full of monsters aching for summer. What? Make no mistake. Uh, they'll try to destroy anyone who tells them how to behave. Oh, no. Word on the street is they drove Miss Cruz to insanity. Insanity? That's why they hired ye. 
Oh, I, I was told she has bronchitis. That's what they want you to think. The truth is, those little monsters drove her to the loony bin. The bin? And they'll do the same to you if you're not prepared. It, it, it's my first time teaching. I, I'm a little nervous. Stop that right now. Stop what? That nervous talk. Do I look nervous to you? No, you look quite confident. You're darn tootin'. You'd never know on the inside. I'm terrified of these little devils. Fear is like blood in the water. You got to get rid of it. Now, introduce yourself to the class. What? I said, introduce yourself. O okay, um, class, my name is Mr. Isaac. I'll be your homeroom teacher for the rest of the year. Please turn your social studies books to page 93. Um... Not bad, but not great either. Repeat after me. Pipe down, class. Uh, pipe down, class. This is my room now. This is my room now. So cut out the talking and open to page 93. Oh, cut out the talking and open to page 93. Good. Not 94. That's right. Not 95, 93. You got it. The trick with middle schoolers is authority. You have to take it the second you walk into the room. So I have to be strong. Yes. But have fun if you have fun. Those students will feel at ease. That'll make them listen to you. Have fun. Got it. Is that why you talk like a pirate? What do you mean? Uh, nothing. That's our cue. After you, Isaac. Remember, your first impression is the most important. Move it or lose it, fifth graders. Form a line outside room 212. We've got some learning to do. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Now there goes a teacher. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of process, yeah, yes. for sure. Yes, yeah. that was Isaac, the new substitute teacher at the middle school with the experienced teacher, Quint, who did sound like a pirate. Um, <laughs> he is somewhat, you know, piratey and authoritative, right? So he insists that Isaac should introduce himself to the class with authority and gives him some tips on how to handle the class. We saw Isaac trying to follow that tip, and the introduction seemed to kind of work. Or does it, Dr. Janina? I'm still processing. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it happens. It's, it, it, it does happen. And with kids, there is this old traditional mentality that you have to be authoritarian in order for them to respect you. Mm -hmm. And maybe it worked back in the days when our great-grandparents were, were teaching and the children, and maybe our grandparents. But now I think, especially when I'm thinking about being mindful and being present, I think that one of the things that you want to consider is connecting and being authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think you will make a greater impact. I'm not a teacher, so please don't take my word in this situation. I, I did work for a school system for over 10 years back in the days when I started my career. And what I noticed with teachers is the ones that were authentic, the mm -hmm. ones that from day one, they show that they care about the kids, that they're there with the right heart. Yes. Those were the ones that the kids responded very well. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes they will have less referrals mm -hmm. than those who are more into 
I'm the boss. You do what I do because you guys are my slaves while I'm here. I mean, think about it. When you go to a place or when you, as an employee, Mm -hmm. and you go to your job and the first thing to do is to face an authoritarian boss. Will you be willing to give your best to that boss? Will you be respecting that boss? Will you be feeling comfortable in it that your boss cares about you? The likelihood is that you will say no, right? So you are not connected to your boss. You're not going to do your best for your boss. You're going to do the least possible to pass on. Mm -hmm. The same goes with these type of uh, interactions. If you come into a room and you want to work with children, especially at that age, that they are still kind of like silly, goofy. They don't know what they feel. They have all these (laughs) emotions. They don't know what to do with them. And you present yourself as an authoritarian person. The first thing that they will think is like, oh, ugh. This is a mean teacher. So right away, you know, I hear like when I when my daughter, she's they started school last week. And when they came home, when she came home for uh, I'm using her since she's in middle school. I right away ask her, hey, hey, how was your day? Guess what? The first thing she said, yeah, I have these teachers that are so nice and I really mm-hmm. like them and she started naming them yep. but there is this mean teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know and then she goes on and on about that mean yeah. teacher she's like oh it doesn't sound that it's going to be a fun year in With that me. specific class yeah. so again you know she's so excited and so thrilled about coming back to school and dealing with these teachers who show authenticity and they care mm-hmm. whereas the other one she's already expecting that things are not going to go well yeah Ooh. And it's just the first day of school. Right. You know, so in this situation, I think our friend here needs to not listen to the pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Out with the pirate. Right. Yeah, that is so crazy because I can relate to what you just spoke about mm-hmm. right now about my daughter in her first day of seventh grade that when she came back and we talked over the phone, that was a, she just like emulated what you just talked about right yeah, now. It yeah. was like the group of cool teachers, mm-hmm. but there was that one teacher that yeah, she that just teacher. did not kick it off yes. on the right note with. Now, I'm going to speak to Dr. Alicia now. In the environment of the middle school, obviously it's a place where kids will face many challenges, things will get tougher academically, socially, mentally, and emotionally. Can you speak a little bit on how we can prepare our kids to deal with these kind of challenges, Dr. Alicia? Yeah, I like the new science of the brain that talked about basically a lot of growth, you know, the growth mindset mm-hmm. and how that the brain is very, it has a lot of plasticity and it's just like we're always able to grow. It's not this like you are smart and that's and you're not mm-hmm. smart. Not, you know, not of this rigid kind of a thing. I already learned this and therefore I don't have to learn it anymore. Instead, it's more of uh, we're in constant learning. Mm-hmm. So I think if we as parents adopt that mindset where we are also flexible and we were also learning, um, we emulate that to our kids, but then in, when we see them face challenges, being able to one, yeah, listen to the challenge. We sometimes need to just hear people out with the struggle of the day, whether it's a relationship that went sour at school, mm-hmm. you know, something stuff happens all the time, or whether it's the the really hard math that can't conceptually be received Mm -hmm. and struggling through that. So I think it's good to just hear kids out through the frustration. And then we pull back and then we want to encourage that growth mindset that says, yeah, this is tough and this is really hard and and I recognize it. Why don't you take a quick break, go and and kick the ball outside for a little bit, go listen to some music and let's come back. And then when you have a new fresh set of eyes, let's tackle this specific homework or this concept that you're having to struggle with. Look at it with new fresh eyes because when we've done that in the past, you've been able to push through. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to encourage them in that growth mindset. We're not going to yes. completely placate them, but definitely be honest and say, yes. take a break, take a breather, take a cold shower. 
shower. I don't know. Do what you need to do. Sometimes we need just to get away from that, mm-hmm. which is frustrating if we're just looking at it over and over again. But then we want to go back and say, and you can do it. Let's go back and, and face it. And kids want to sometimes whine and complain and quit from tasks too early. Mm-hmm. And so as parents, let's not revert to just finishing it for them. You know, they might not want to finish the whole yeah. assignment or the whole science project or read the whole book or you know whatever it might be. Yeah. And we need to hold them accountable to that. Yes. So we don't want to just let them slide because that assignment is difficult. So we need to say, you can do it. You can come back and take a break, mm-hmm. but you can do it. We want to push them towards that growth mindset. I like that Absolutely. strategy. Sometimes you were mentioning earlier, Dr. Yanina, that sometimes parents, I know I've done it before, uh, when you're so tired, you're like, oh, yeah. you just want to get it over with. I want to go to sleep. Let's, guys, we have to go to sleep. But helping them take that break and then come back and figure it out themselves, not us, for them, is very healthy. So thank you for that. You know, we as parents, we need to realize that it's not always about us. Yeah. And at the same time, as they going from elementary school into middle school, once again, you want to instill responsibility. So it comes the point, especially during this prime time, that you need to start letting go, that you want to get into the habit that you don't need to remind them to do homework. Yeah. It's their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if they do not do the homework, they will have to face the consequence of not them doing their homework. So to give you some, an, uh, some peace of mind mm-hmm. is that, You don't have to be there all the time when they're doing their homework. And you don't have to constantly remind them. It comes to the point in their life that enough is enough, that you need to back off, that you no longer are going. And you let them know. You know, you can decide from this year on, now it's your responsibility Mm -hmm. to complete your homework. And, of course, there are still kids that are going from fifth grade to where everything was done for them to sixth grade and so forth. So it has to be a transition. Mm -hmm. It cannot be a cold turkey kind of situation. But it has to be a transition that you have to let them decide what is best for them. And I love what you said about breaks. And this is something that seems to be very difficult for parents because they feel, once they keep on saying, once you come from school, right away, since you're there in the mode, just get over with the homework. Uh In reality, we have seen that that's not helpful and that's not even healthy because we all need breaks. Your mind needs to slow down for a moment in order for it to be able to go back to work again and to be able to do your best, which is why I'm so happy you said that, that breaks are breaks are very, very important. But at the same time, it's their responsibility to finish their homework. Mm-hmm. You know, Kids are going to love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Take a break. You know, you're saying that. Yeah. I actually just told my daughter the opposite. Do you know, like two days ago, I was yeah. like, if you get here at 2.30, Mija, you have like 45 minutes before you, yeah. <laughs> your siblings yeah. get home, do your homework. Yeah. Do your right. homework. But I think maybe a nap will probably be better. Right. You know yeah. what? You know what? Yeah. Kids do need some sleep. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about they that need one. more. Yes. Yeah. But yes. you know, what you were saying just reminded me of the creativity. So part of creativity is being able to solve problems. And kids get stuck in the problem solving of the task, whether it's the homework or whatever. And then you, as a parent, are the hero, right? You want right. to go solve yes. it. And so instead, we want to help them usher that. Well, one of the things that actually helps with problem solving is those creative outlets. So the drawing, the playing, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. listening to music, that having a sport, that playing an instrument, like those other extracurricular actually create all, we're not going to get into the science of the brain, but it does create a lot of connectivity between the left and right hemisphere. And it just does that buzzing and mm-hmm. basically helps mm-hmm. kids get unstuck and then create that outlet where you're able to actually have more ideas and problem solve. Bottom line, let kids be kids and that's going right. to actually help them 
problem yeah. solved. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. academic yes. world. Yeah, and one thing that I did with my children is that when they were tra- in, in, we were into that transitioning, I had like little posters, like do my homework in their room, uh-huh. another one in the fridge, and another one in the bathroom. So when they went into their creative mode time and break time and they came back, they will see it. Reminders. Reminder. Oh, that's right. I have that homework. <laughs> but but it was there for them because you want to teach them how to find strategies that will help them or get organized, too. Yeah. Yeah. And little things like that work for them. And another one that will say, practice your music today in strategic places. Yes. And eventually they pull them out because it became a, a, a habit. You know, it takes 20 to 21 days to create a habit. For, yeah. for, for adults, for children, it, it takes a little longer. So, you know, you want to teach them little strategies for them to be able to be responsible. Cool. Well, thank you for that. I want to touch on one one last topic here that I know a lot of kids will, will probably experience when they go into middle school, the frenemies that we were talking about. I know many kids, if they're going to elementary school, they have this group of friends. I know it happened to my daughter and, and other kids from my neighbors. They had their group of friends in, in elementary. They go into middle school, and obviously they meet new people. Mm-hmm. So now, for some reason, some people get weird, I guess. I don't know. They have their phases, and they don't want to talk to you anymore. So... How do we help our kids deal with that or just prepare them? You know, people might change or how would you uh, tell parents to handle that? Yeah, no. Yeah, that's a very good point, right? The different cliques that are very apparent Mm -hmm. in the schools. And there's just so many different reasons. And you named it. And I think we encourage our kids to have a greater view of the world. They're Mm -hmm. looking at their life right now and very myopic and they're just looking Mm -hmm. around very small circle and so they're not seeing beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. Again, they think they're the center of the universe. Everything's about them. And so part of our jobs is to just bring awareness of a bigger world out there and saying there's just a lot more things that could happen. For Mm -hmm. example, A, B, C, D, and you just kind of list it off and just kind of help them open up the horizon. Watch a movie. Can't think of one right now, but there's just so many. Frenemies. Frenemies. (laughs) There you go. And um, just use so many stories and novels and and books and things like that. You can use all of those resources, some kind of series on Netflix that you can download and watch. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much stuff. And you can just use the stories as a talking point as well. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. There you go. Conversation starters. Thank you. There you you go. Thank you so much. And thank you for a great conversation and for sharing tips on navigating the middle school years. Mm -hmm. I took notes, trust me, because I have a tweet. Major at home. <laughs> Dr. Yanina, thank you so much for joining us. And I would love to ask you where we could find more about you and your libro and the work you do. <laughs> yes, I'm an author. Uh, my book, it's titled Moms Don't Quit, How to Influence, Empower, and Stay Connected with Your Preteen and Teen in a Noisy World. And you can find it on Amazon mm-hmm. online or Barnes & Noble online as well. And my website is www.dryaninagomez.com, Dr. Bean, D-R, Gomez.com. Yeah. Can I ask you that yeah, your services are both in English and Spanish? Yes. My book is already has already been translated into Spanish. So it's right now in the process of being designed and printed. So hopefully by January of next year it should be available. Uh, maybe before. Yes. yes. Gracias. Thank you. 
Awesome. Uh, Dr. Alisa, what tips do you have for today's Keeping It Real segment? Well, we sure talked about a lot of things. The beginning, the first skit we learned, let's not get so over-involved in our kids' lives that we don't let them be. So Mm -hmm. let's encourage their autonomy and coach them. And then we talked about the second component. We talked about that emotional regulation and how Mm -hmm. important it is to help kids verbalize those feelings, sense it, name it, and identify it. And we also talked about um, how important it is to protect the core of your children's lives. So, you know, their self-esteem is how they view themselves and those things that sabotage the way they view themselves sometimes is that negative thinking. And so we want to encourage them to tackle that and address that and empower them to move forward because otherwise that that sense of rejection that can happen Mm -hmm. with negative peer experiences or life experiences can be just pretty terrible for their sense of self. And so we want to lift them up and encourage them and give them the tools and the resources to tackle that kind of negative thinking that leads them to have that negative spiral. So lots of good things today that we can take away. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, that's it for the episode of The Struggle is Real. For more resources, as always, you are invited to check out the website, familybridgesusa.org. Of course. And you can also follow us on social media with the hashtag The Struggle is Real or hashtag TSIR for updates. And also make sure to review the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. That's iTunes and Google Play. Thank you so much for joining us on this side of the mic. I am Omar Ramos. Dr. Lisa Laos. I'm Veronica Avila. And special thanks going out to Dr. Janina Gomez. Thank you so much for having me. Till Til next, next time. time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.